Welcome to the Rosenfeld Review, where we're just a bunch of blind men trying to figure out that elephant. I'm your host, Lou Rosenfeld, and my guest today is Alana Washington. Hi, Alana. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Great to have you on the show. Uh, Alana is the interim head of design at Uber Freight. Uh, she was originally hired to lead the uh, design ops operation there, and um, she's also a uh, new curator as part of the curation team for the Design Ops Summit, which uh, is happening uh, number four already. I can't really believe that. The fourth one is a virtual edition, not surprisingly. That's going to happen in late October. And uh, good Lord, we just got over 100 submissions. <laughs> we just closed the call for proposals today. So you got your work cut out ahead of you, Alana. I am so excited. I am so excited to dig in and see what themes are popping up and what trends are emerging and what people are really thinking about. Um, I think we have our preconceived notions of, about what's top of mind for folks as they've helped transition their teams into this kind of virtual dispersed environment. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to be surprised too. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like if anything, the role of design ops is, is maybe even more important, both for mm -hmm. like the, oh my God, how are we going to manage a distributed, fully remote organization? Uh, what kind of infrastructure do designers need to be successful? But also, um, uh, because you, you folks are probably more than in the past in the, put in a position to take care mm. of people people on your, uh, your design ops colleagues, your, your broader design organization, maybe even in some sense for your full organization writ large. Is that, yeah. is that something you're feeling right now? I, I think so. I also think there's an added component where for those of us who've been studying best practices about how to stay centered and stay calm, it also we also realize that we have to lead by example. So I think that there are probably also stories where like, you know, to, to create the culture where people feel like they can take vacation, I have to prove that you can take vacation during a global pandemic and that you will feel like you can still come back to a job on Monday and like the, all of those things are important. And so, um, yeah, I think that we have had to, you know, prove that we not only can kind of help identify best practices and processes, but like how to be humans and that it's okay to be human and it's okay to have children wandering through Zoom calls and take time off. And, and basically, you know, I think more than anything, this pandemic has forced who we are outside of work to come rapidly colliding with who we are inside of work. And, um, you know, in talking to the design ops community at large, I feel as though I've just watched people with great grace um, demonstrate that that's okay that we are who we are inside and outside of work simultaneously. Are, are you finding um, any really good practices that um, help successfully draw that boundary between home and work? Mm. Because that is just unbelievably difficult right now. Uh, I, I, I'm in the studio that we, uh, that we rent to do podcasts right now, and it's like the only time I go out <laughs> for mm. work these days is just to run a podcast. And it's like such this beautiful luxury to have a work-related um, moment where I'm away from home and away from the family. And this is the rarity. I mean, are you finding that there's any 
kind of uh, uh, really tried and true approaches that help anyone get away from work or get away from separate work and home. Yeah, I, um, first of all, at the minute that all of this started, I disconnected my work email from my phone and I logged out of everything that, you know, gave me remote access on my phone so that I would have to return to like my physical laptop to dig into anything that was work related, um, which meant that at the end of the day, once I shut that and kind of put it away, it was off for the night. Um, but a practice that's really important to me and my family um, is about nine months ago, we started observing a like full on uh, full Shabbat, um, but specifically like really doing a tech Shabbat and then Friday evenings all the way through Saturday evenings, just removing ourselves from screens, uh, leaning into our record player and going as analog as possible. I mean, just even the like the beauty of holding a physical book has been really restorative and helpful. That's really um, great. <laughs> yeah. The publisher. Like, yeah. I mean, it's awesome. Like, uh, yeah, I've like definitely increased the amount of like physical books that I've, I've one ordered and two actually gotten through over the past, you know, few months. And, you know, it was lucky we started that practice preceding the uh, pandemic, but it's been one that's been so sustaining that like we get to the end of Friday and whatever we didn't succeed at, like we let our, you know, we let it go. And I think that creating those little moments for ourselves, those kind of new rituals are really helpful at creating space between work and real life or kind of home life, if you will. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, that sounds great, but if, if you can figure out how to make that work when your kids are teenagers, um, I um, have a lot of, of, of money sitting in a bank account precisely for this because it's, you know, I need a consultant. I need. Well, all right. Anyway, that's another conversation <laughs> I have. Um, I will. I will say, though, um, there's one book. Uh, Tiffany Shalane, who is the founder of the Webbies, wrote this really good book called 24 Six. And at the very end, she has a series of pages around kind of depending on which age, how you can observe a tech Shabbat and make it interesting. And I love the way that she describes it with her kids, which is you save for that time of the week, the thing that you've been wishing you had more time to do. And so if it's painting, if it's creative writing, if it's kind of just also just capturing the attention of your two parents or your parent or your um, whoever it is for 24 hours, like you've got that bundled up. And so there are ways of uh, repackaging or rebranding <laughs> screenless days for teenagers. I'm really happy to hear that because I was really a little concerned that her advice was going to involve chloroform. Uh, <laughs> but um Let's go back to design operations for a moment. So everyone right now is sort of dealing with a resets, reset moment, you know, like our, our, our worlds that have already been sort of teetering on foundations uh, held together by, you know, chewing gum and tape and whatnot um, have to some degree crashed and crashed quickly. And so many of us are, are thinking about what we've been doing and what we should be doing. Mm. Uh, and uh, as a design operations person, you know, I, I assume, you know, your, your goals are typically to ultimately make sure that you've got the infrastructure in place for your designers and your researchers to be successful and content and um, really amplifying their efforts, helping them work on problems that are fulfilling and not tedious. 
and uh, that's great. Um, but is that enough? And are you finding in your own work that you're at that point of, of reboot and, and what is sort of the next step in that progression? And is it even design ops? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll share with you on a series of unfinished thoughts, um, because they're kind of in development and I've, I've been noodling on what comes next because I had the great joy of joining this team, um, in December and I'm really impressed and excited and energized at seeing how far they've come and have managed really to bond together as a team through just one of the most difficult years. Um, and we just finished H2 planning. And so seeing all that they're going off to work on in the next half, um, I'm just really stoked to see all of that that come to fruition for them. But certainly as a design operations person, kind of once you get a team up and running and you kind of create those conditions for a high performing team, then of course your brain gets, you know, running and thinking about what comes next and how do I grow in this moment? And I think one of the things that um, I've been thinking about is, you know, the pandemic is setting the stage for trauma and mourning and grief and, um, transitions for pretty much every person and every walk of life. And so I'm considering right now how my design operations background, um, I have my master's in industrial organizational psychology. So thinking about how people and organizations kind of live and work together, kind of fit together, I'm thinking about what comes next. Like I know that there will be a higher order need for my skill sets mm -hmm. and I'm not quite sure what's next. Um, I've gotten this team into a place where it feels like it's going towards high performing. And so kind of, um, I'm, I'm really enjoying the luxury of this moment thinking through, um, how to grow. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't know what's next. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm certainly finding, and I know a lot of people are that, um, in, in all the stress and um, sadness. There are some silver linings. Uh, we're, we're being forced to innovate. Like in, in our business, as you know, we're doing a lot with um, uh, coming up with some, you know, compelling ideas around holding virtual conferences. Oh. Uh, and that really kind of helps me get through times like this. I'm wondering if um, you're seeing any sort of next steps for how design ops leaders can I don't know if it's if it's maintain, sustain, uh, take care of is really, I guess, one direction or maybe it is innovate and do things very differently and sort of expand the scope of what design ops could be on the other hand. Um, yeah. And not just your own experience, but uh, other people in the field that you're talking to. Are you are you seeing any kind of move in one of those two directions or something altogether different? I'd say it's two pronged. I would say that for those who stay within design operations, we are five miles into an ultra marathon mm -hmm. and you know, we have an indeterminate end. And so I feel as though those who really, you know, dig in right now will be helping kind of keep their teams even and keep their teams at stasis um, through the bobs and weaves that we can't even begin to, uh, you know, preempt in 2020. 
Um, and I think that there's this other calling and one that I might be following, which is to think through how we've managed to make design operations work, but extract that a level above or even a couple of levels above and think across holistically across either tech orgs or entire orgs. Um, and this might be where I come full circle to my industrial organizational roots. Um, because I think now more than ever, maybe even taking a step back from that, I fundamentally believe that the way that products and services get made um, actually then, you know, ultimately reflects and is mirrored in the products and services that live in the world. And so how it's made is as important as what is made. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, as design operations folks, because we've always kind of kept like humans at the center because we're tied to design teams, I think that whole organizations now need to really live that ethos. Um, and so I'm kind of noodling on like, how do we bring that design operations kind of purview and kind of what is just core to who we are as practitioners up a level or up a few levels um, within organizations? Yeah, I've, I've been sort of waiting to see that happen and, 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 you know, maybe this is the moment where things like that happen, where the design ops organization can kind of take its, its experience and, and its wisdom and apply it more broadly around uh, an organization's operations outside design. It sounds like that's maybe what you're starting to see happen. And, you know, with your, your uh, grounding in uh, industrial organizational psychology, that, that seems to make a lot of sense, right? Um, it's almost like design ops becomes the uh, Trojan horse for improving how organizations operate with their people broadly. And from like human, I mean, just from a deeply human perspective, I feel like, um, you know, it's great to be, to fly so close to design and, and learn that there are so many tricks that we have and, 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 you know, whether it be like remote facilitation tricks all the way through, um, you know, just knowing whether it be a blueprint solution or a, a journey map solution, et cetera, like also having as a set of artifacts that we can use to kind of bring people together and rally them. I think that um, just design operations, almost added that component that I felt like I was always missing in the IO psychology background that kind of really softened it and made it tangible for humans. Um, and so I'm really excited about, you know, seeing how design operations, to your point, as a Trojan horse can kind of help um, full on, you know, full businesses across the spectrum enact more human-based processes. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want more, not only do we have a whole bunch of podcasts in our archive, but we have something that's very current, very alive, and very engaging for groups. And that is our communities. Rosenfeld Media runs a variety of communities that meet on a monthly basis for video conferences on a variety of topics near and dear to UX people, ranging from enterprise experience to advancing research to design and research operations. I want to encourage you join one of our communities again it is free by going to rosenfeldmedia.com communities not only will you get a monthly video conference that you can listen in on and participate in ask questions and so forth we'll give you access to the recordings and uh, for some of those communities we're talking about dozens of recordings with really interesting presenters and facilitators 
You'll also get a newsletter. You'll get access to an advice columnist. Yes, we actually are providing advice columnists for each community. And finally, if you're interested in our conferences, our communities correspond to our conferences. So you will be the first to know when programs, uh, when programs go live, uh, when tickets go on sale, and by the way, most of our conferences sell out, and other good things about our conferences, such as uh, when the scholarship applications open up. So go to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. You're going to find something that's free, something that's interesting, and it's a great opportunity to find your tribe as well. We'll see you there. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that comes together at a place like, let's say, Uber, mm-hmm. which is a, a fairly recent new organization, regardless of its heft. It's it's not been around very long, and design was baked into the DNA from the very get-go versus at a, a company that's been around a long time, like Caterpillar, let's say, which is, you know, probably has very substantial ways of... Um, of, of going about doing operations that have been established long before design was even a, a twinkle in the eyes there. Um, I, I remember doing consulting for them years ago and, and uh, uh, Six Sigma was, you know, the way to go. And uh, that was really kind of pervading not only their, their operations, but how they went about design. And, you know, so there's like these interesting contrasts of, of you know, how we both do operations and design better or differently based on the the baked in culture and in many cases age of an organization um do you do you see that also being true of the field you've come from industrial organizational psychology like it's also got these baked in sort of worldviews that are ripe for change mm. I think that what is magical about whether you talk to an organizational psychologist that's working in a consulting firm or you even, you know, talk to a design ops person, probably a more senior design ops person, the nascence of those people in organizations is the same. They drop in and they do a bit of an analysis and they think through, okay, they look through their toolkit of whether it be change management techniques or artifacts or what have you. And then they, you know, within 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and then concurrently, um, or not concurrently, but like well into the future, we'll just constantly refresh. Like here is the diagnosis I've taken of this situation and to embedder this team or realign this team or sustain this team. Here are the interventions I'd recommend. And I think that that's what's pretty magical is like, you know, you may have, you know, one theory that has fit in another organization and it might be completely obsolete and unhelpful in another. And I think that what is exciting is that there's been enough case studies over the past few years of letting design operations or org psychologists kind of have that moment to diagnose and based on experience come up with what works um, that people are are kind of given the ability to do that skill and that's why i love i i mean i really do describe like senior design operations folks as unicorns because they come in with that ability to diagnose and then suggest um and i think that just now because of the, again, the amount of case studies and successes that we've had in this field, 
that the path is clear for that to continue to happen. So, you know, I'm kind of curious, um, anytime an established field like um, organizational psychology is, is, you know, intersecting with our world, um, you know, I'm interested to know where the where the iconoclastic young Turks are are hanging out. So I imagine mm-hmm. in org psych, there's a bunch of people who are saying, you know, the way we've been thinking and, and talking about organizational psychology for the last 30 years is stale or they're no mm-hmm. longer current, it's not right, whatever. Uh, and they go off and they, they, they split off and they create something new. Mm-hmm. And there's all this intersectional stuff happening. Like uh, we see this in a lot of fields in um, uh, industrial design. We saw like the whole Core 77 community kind of split off because they got sick of, uh, you know, the IDSA uh, and how it looked at things. Or I'm seeing this now in, in market research. Um, we've seen it with, uh, uh, you know, HCI where the UPA, now the UXPA split off from uh, uh, SIG uh, Chi, the ACM chapter or uh, special interest group. And now there's people splitting off from UXPA and, and on and on. So I'm just wondering, like, are you seeing that? And maybe more importantly or more usefully, wh- where do you look mm. to learn about your own field, but, you know, the people really kind of pushing the boundaries and saying, you know, the conventional way of doing things is not enough. We need to look to other fields. Are there magazines, people, anything that you feel is like, the place to to kind of get the most up-to-date, useful perspective on organizational psychology, besides the design of uh, some. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that uh, most of what you're describing are those of us who've left org, like traditional org psych and are kind of creating interesting trouble in our new fields, um, which I kind of got into because is part of organizational psychology's um, kind of foundational, you know, uh, curriculum is statistics and research methods. And so data visualization was kind of my entree to Hmm. design. Um, But there's a great conference every year that happens called the PSYOP conference, which is the Oh my goodness, the Society for Industrial Organizational Psychologists. Um, And I usually, pretty much every year, even though I haven't gone in, you know, probably about seven to 10 years, I'll go and I'll look through um, who's presenting and I'll kind of circle where there's kind of an interesting like uh, clash or intersection of design and and IO psych, or if there's, um, you know, and there's something there for everybody, whether it be like research methods, survey design, Um, And these psychologists are at a scale that is just wild, whether or not be like personnel selection for Home Depot or Mm -hmm. other large brands like that. um, There's so much there. Um, And so I usually look there for inspiration and to kind of keep to what's up to date in the IO psych realm. Um, But I really find that it's like those of us who kind of detracted from that foundation and ended up in other areas and other kind of industries and are doing a little bit of influencing from the side. Um, I also think that that just makes us better practitioners because we're closer to the business. Um, I think that one of the things I felt when I first left and I 
um, was lucky enough to get a job like working in organizational effectiveness at HBO. And I just felt like I was to some degree an imposter because I was teaching best practices, but I hadn't earned the stripes to teach Mm -hmm. them. Um, And so now years later coming back, I'm like, okay, well, I've actually been through a multitude of scenarios where I can connect a best practice to an actual case study or thing I've lived and I can, um, you know, better espouse that best practice, if you will. Well, I love what you just said. There's a lot to it, but the word that really stood out for me is uh, trouble, that you're Mm. making good trouble. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that. Um, And uh, uh, before we wrap up, I just wanted to thank you for one other thing. Uh, You recently gave a talk at the San Francisco Design Week uh, virtual conference that um, I found really useful. I encourage people uh, to uh, to watch it. It's on Vimeo. It's called Six Tips for Surviving a Racism Pandemic. Um, when I first read the title, I was like, for, I read it as racism and a pandemic. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> if you can cover both of those in one talk, that'd be great. But really, I mean, there's, there's just so much to unpack there and it's very practical and it's only about 20 minutes long. So... Um, if you're listening, uh, my gift to you is um, a um, recommendation to go Google for uh, six tips for surviving a racism pandemic by our guest, Alana Washington. Um, and before we wrap up, Alana, um, what about you? Is there anything you've been reading or anyone who's been really inspiring for you that you, you want to uh, spread the good word about? Yep. Um, anybody who's heard me speak before or, or kind of read anything I've written, uh, articles or whatnot, knows that I always come back to Adrienne Murray Brown, who wrote a book called Emergent Strategy. Um, and I think it's phenomenal, besides her being a doula, a healer, a community organizer, a strategist, um, she is just an amazing human. And I think that what is so brilliant about the writing is it centers um, black women, non-binary, um, and, and just really um, also praises natural systems that have managed to um, be resilient. Uh, everything from you know mushrooms and uh, starlings as they fly in those giant patterns called murmurations and um, really just reminds us that we are all fractal. Um, and so when we're thinking about you know getting through change, Um, If we remember that if we are good custodians of ourselves and the energy with which we kind of walk through the world, we're able to um, impact the whole. Um, And so for anybody looking for resilience, looking for joy, I highly recommend Adrienne Murray Brown's Emergent Strategy. Well, thanks for that. Fantastic. And it was great having you join us today. Uh, Lana Washington, uh, Interim Head of Design at uh, Uber Freight one of our curators at the Design Ops Summit, which is taking place virtually this October. I hope we'll see you there. And if you want to follow Alana on Twitter, real simple, Alana Washington. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks, Lou. Thanks for listening to the Rosenfeld Review, brought to you by Rosenfeld Media. If you like our show, please subscribe and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. I'd love it if you tell a friend to have a listen and check out our website for over 100 podcasts with other interesting people. You'll find them all at rosenfeldreview.com.